Often the most mundane-sounding mistakes can cause catastrophe, like the time a passenger seatbelt caught a knob on the floor of a helicopter. It crashed into the East River in New York and killed five people. My next guest has investigated this and many other helicopter crashes, thereby improving safety. He's now a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. Shihun Shin is an investigator with the National Transportation Safety Board, and he joins me now. Mr. Shin, good to have you on. Good morning. And you are kind of a specialist within the NTSB on helicopter crashes, an unfortunate kind of thing to, I guess, <laughs> have to spend your life on. But tell us how you came to this particular expertise. Sure. So out of college, I was actually hired by the U.S. Navy and worked at uh, Naval Air Systems Command down in Cherry Point, North Carolina. That's where I got my introduction to accident investigation and actually also the world of helicopters. So every now and then when the Navy had a mishap, as they call them, involving one of the helicopters, I was specialized with the H-60 Seahawk platform as a transmission and drive system engineer. The engineering side would get involved in terms of assisting the mishap board and the uh, Naval Safety Center and identifying issues that might be related to our particular systems of interest. So that's what really sparked my interest in accident investigations. And once an opportunity came up at the National Transportation Safety Board for a uh, helicopter engineer um, in the Office of Aviation Safety, um, I jumped on that opportunity and I'm um, glad and happy that they hired me. And this is a very interesting uh, work to do as a full-time job. So you are also a professional engineer in helicopter specialty. So in my past, yes, I worked with helicopter transmission systems for about five and a half years, supporting the U.S. Navy in-service fleet of uh, H-60 helicopters. Got it. And often, you know, when these highly publicized crashes occur, like the one in the East River, and they do happen occasionally, you know, or the Grand Canyon, one of these helicopters, people seem to jump to the idea immediately that the thing fell to pieces the fact is these are so highly engineered now, it's almost always something lower level than the catastrophic failure that newscasters like to talk about on television. Yeah, usually with accidents, it's usually multiple factors that come together that cause the accident. It's very rare that it's just one single thing that we'll pin it down on. Usually multiple errors combine to cause an accident. How we like to describe this is kind of like the Swiss cheese model, where you have to have the holes line up. And the accident, essentially those circumstances all line up and the air goes through all those holes and causes the accident. Because in the accident described in your Service to America medal citation, something ridiculous sounding, almost like a fuel cutoff valve that is in the floor of the passenger compartment. I mean, how is it, in your opinion, I guess, or how do you feel when a manufacturer will spend billions of dollars developing an engine that can run at a thousand degrees for 10 hours and never fail in the lifetime of the thing. But then they put a knob that should never be touched by anyone right there in the passenger compartment. For things like that, we look at all the different factors, the history of this design, how many times in the past that it's been tripped unintentionally or intentionally by a pilot or someone uh, that was sitting near the controls. We'll also look at the operational side. Is there a higher risk of putting a passenger next to those controls or not? And in that accident investigation, we identified many different factors that basically combined to cause this accident to occur. You know, in this case, with this fuel cutoff lever right next to the passenger, it wasn't the first flight that they tried this that it happened. Um, this operator had been flying many of these flights, and it just happened to be in that 
unfortunate day, um, the confluence of many different factors that came about that caused that accident. So um, in our investigations, we'll identify a number of factors that add up to cause the accident and also achieve or attempt to achieve safety changes in all those factors to try to prevent future accidents from happening. We're speaking with Shihun Chin. He's an investigator with the National Transportation Safety Board and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. And how do the manufacturers react when, like, for example, in that switch on the floor? I mean, I have a rack full of equipment in my studio, and the one piece that is the power supply has a cage screwed over it so that you can't accidentally hit the power switch and blow everything. I mean, something basic like that, you would think that would be on the floor of the helicopter, a little cage over something, so it would take a sledgehammer to move it. And do manufacturers scratch their head and say, yeah, Shin, you're right, or hey, you know, we know what we're doing? It depends. Again, when we look at the design in our investigation, in this particular case, Airbus helicopters, they looked at this design, saw that it flew for almost, I believe, 30 million flight hours and only had... A couple of instances where, actually, I should say the adjacent control next to it had a couple of instances of interference, and so they ended up redesigning that. This particular fuel cutoff lever, there had only been one reported instance, which is this accident. So they look at the past service history of it, weigh it against how it's being protected, how it's being used. In this particular case, they agreed with us that it could be redesigned to... um, be more robust in terms of um, preventing inadvertent activation from either the pilot or the passenger. So in a lot of different investigations, depending on the factors that we identify that cause that accident or to cause even a control to be misutilized or the different uh, wrong button pressed or whatnot, we'll analyze those factors with the manufacturer. Most of the times we come to the same opinion. Sometimes we differ in opinions. And when we do, the NTSB can issue recommendations and essentially use our bully pulpit to, um, to try to sway the manufacturer to take the right action, or even for the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, to force a manufacturer to take safety actions. And how do you keep your own equilibrium when you know, the work involves seeing horrible situations? I mean, in the case of the East River, it probably was a simpler investigation in the sense that everything was intact. It didn't blow mm-hmm. up and burn. It just fell into the water and sank, I guess. Sometimes you must go to a site where often there's fire and terrible destruction, including of the human beings inside. Then you're the first on the scene. Yeah. So in those cases where we do lose a lot of evidence from the post-crash fire or from fragmentation of the helicopter when it goes through trees or whatnot, um, it does make for a much more difficult investigation from my perspective as being um, a helicopter engineer trying to look at the wreckage. That's where... The NTSB has advocated for recorders, crash-resistant, crash-protected recorders to be installed on helicopters. The NTSB actually just issued recommendations to manufacturers last month for manufacturers to voluntarily equip their helicopters with crash-resistant recorders because that data is so key in understanding the final moments leading up to the accident and what the pilot control inputs were, You know what the displays were showing what the helicopter itself was doing just because the helicopter is a very dynamic machine. We do lose a lot of that data when we don't have recorders or black boxes on board. And so um, in those cases, we look at the wreckage. One thing that a metallurgist once told me when I was working with the Navy was the metal doesn't lie. 
it's a lot harder job with composites nowadays, but with metals, we look at how it's crushed, how it's fractured, look for things that look abnormal or unique and start trying to piece together what happened with a helicopter. Was it functioning normally? Was it not prior to impact? And how do you deal with the human remains that might be there if you're the first on the scene? Yeah, so luckily, the majority of the times, uh, especially with helicopters being smaller, usually the first responders that get there, the firefighters, paramedic, local law enforcement will identify those remains, and those will actually be removed from the helicopter, um, from the wreckage, prior to us getting there. From time to time, we do run across human remains at times, and that's when we coordinate with the coroner, uh, the local medical officer, to, uh, to remove those pieces. And it's a uh, unfortunate side of the job, but it also reminds us there is a human aspect to these accidents. You know, these are tragedies that happened. And, um, and our work is very important in identifying these factors so that we don't have these tragedies repeat themselves um, that end up in, in more suffering. Now, I'm a two million mile airliner flyer. Helicopters scare the heck out of me. There's something about them that seems like all they want to do basically is they're always on the verge of going out of control and crashing. Doing what you have done all these years, do you fly on helicopters and would you let your family on them? I do still fly on helicopters. You know, helicopters are unique compared to fixed wing airplanes in that, you know, they can, they beat the air into submission, right? But at the end of the day, they perform tasks that are so unique, that are so useful that airplanes just can't. Rescuing someone from a cruise ship with you know, the Coast Guard using their helicopters, firefighting, there's just a lot of utility to them that make them so important and integral to our aviation industry and our society in general. One quote that I love with, uh, with helicopters with respect to their utility is, and I'm probably going to get this wrong because I'm doing this from memory, but to fly is heavenly, to hover is divine. All and right. That's what helicopters do is they hover, and, and it's an amazing feeling when you hover. Chihun Shin is an investigator with the National Transportation Safety Board and a finalist in this year's Service to America medals. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Fly the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash Podcast One to learn more and start your free trial.